0: Right now you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S E, M-E-T-I-C-S.com slash thrive for 20% off your first order.
1: Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice
3: What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. On this episode, we have a special guest co-host, Catherine. You know her as the intuitive psychic medium. She has her own podcast, Murder and Mediumship. Catherine, it's so good to catch yeah. up with you. Thanks for coming back on the podcast.
4: Thanks for having me back. You know I love being on here.
3: Yeah, it uh, it's, it's good to see you, so I'm glad you're back on. And we have another medium on the podcast uh, as our one of our two guests. Vanessa is here, and she is here with Amanda. You'll remember Amanda as the guest we had on, who grew up in a house that she later discovered was actually a church at one point in time, and it was full of haunted experiences. Thank you both for coming on the podcast. Thank you
5: for having us.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Amanda, you had reached out and mentioned that you were making a pitch deck for Netflix regarding... Haunted locations, uh, specifically hotels in L.A., and there was one that caught your attention. Can you tell us which hotel that was?
1: Uh,
6: The Cecil Hotel. As I said before, I researched true crime for a living, but this has always been something that I've been drawn to for some reason, and I got a chance to deep dive it, and I was just like, wow, okay, because there's just so much.
3: People who are even fringely into the paranormal, probably have or should have heard of the Cecil. Um, It's it's synonymous with hauntings and you brought your friend Vanessa on who is a self proclaimed medium, maybe Vanessa, are you a psychic as well? Or just a medium? Or are those things the same thing? You have to forgive my ignorance. Um,
5: Psychics aren't mediums, but all mediums are psychics. So technically, yes,
3: Okay, that uh, was over my head, but I trust you enough to believe everything you said. <laughs> I um, and, and Vanessa, with this being your first time on the podcast, something we like to find out from our guests is where they fall on what we call the meter. Zero meaning ghosts aren't real and 10 ghosts are absolutely real. Where do you fall on that scale? Uh,
5: I would say um, uh, 15. I mean, I see them all the time in my day in day out life. So I I'm I'm gonna break your meter. I'm gonna crush it. I'm gonna say fifteen because I talk to them all day long. I see them all day long. So I'm I'm gonna crush your meter. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> no, no, no. No need to apologize. That's great. We love when people crush our meter. Um, so so you see physical apparitions. Do they appear like people or are they like grayed out? What exactly does that mean when you say that you see ghosts and talk to them?
5: I've never met another medium, so I'm just a little bit shooketh and I would love to. Uh, pick cat's brain afterwards. I've never talked to another true medium. I believe personally that we all see things in different ways, but for me, I can see people when I'm doing private readings on my day-to-day worth life, I can see them mostly as silhouettes, but I can tell energetically how old they are about, and if they're male or female, but in person, I have seen them as silhouettes I've seen them as they kind of look like a little hazy um but I've seen them pretty clear as well I have seen one that I could remember that I guess what they would call a like full-bodied solid looking apparition and that one that I saw that person I thought that they were a real person until I could tell that they weren't right away but that was the most clear and legible that I've seen them But they kind of can come in any kind of colors, shapes, ways, energy, It's, it's kind of all over the board. I think it's a case by case basis of how much energy that they have to
3: use. And Catherine, when you hear that, does all of that just perfectly hit home for you?
4: I feel like I would like to just record everything she said. Well, I mean, you're recording it. So I guess I don't have <laughs> to. Luck. We can play this back later. Um, yeah, she freaking nailed it. And that's exactly it. We do all see differently. And even for each individual medium, it can shift over time. So whereas as a child, I saw more apparitions um, with my physical eye now i see them in my mind's eye so i will get the images and it's less of a full image i agree with you a million percent yeah a million percent like a piece of something really special to them i like to say like um there was a a man who was on the other side who was obsessed with his iphone carrier like his hip holster because his kids would pick on him for it so he would whenever i had a reading with his kids they would be like that phone holster would be in my mind's eye for freaking Mm -hmm. days. He was such a strong presence. But um, other people, even as a medium, I won't always see them. Sometimes I'll hear like music they were really into or get a smell of something, which can be one of either like the most preferred or the least preferred ways to pick up on a spirit. Um, But it's exactly like what Vanessa is saying. It really runs the gamut for all of us. It's completely different and different at any point in our professional experience or personal experience with it as well. Even in the last couple of months, we've been seeing, I say we because my husband sees stuff now every once in a while and it makes me laugh because <laughs> rubbing off on him is opening up, but uh, we, we've we been seeing more like physically with our, with our physical eye. I think it's the veil is really thin right now. So it makes for interesting um, experiences for sure.
3: Well, Vanessa, when did the veil start to thin out for you? How young were you when you had an experience that not only You knew was different and part of the supernatural, but confirmed for you that you weren't quite like everybody else and you may have some gifts with the paranormal.
5: Um, For me personally, I can remember being around four or five years old and I remember the first spirit that I saw was an older male he had a top hat. He had a coat on, um, and I and I saw him plain as day. And I always tell people that children are more susceptible to seeing spirit and being open to it because they're not scared. They have no fear. They don't know what to be scared of. That's why you see little kids getting on the biggest, scariest roller coaster because they're just like, "Oh wow, fun ride!" I remember seeing them very, very, very young. I think I finally realized what i was seeing and that i was different when i was around 8 or 9 years old and my mom's boyfriend at the time had died in our home i was seeing him in our home um i was seeing him pace back and forth um i was seeing him come into my room and just look at me i was seeing him um he had we had this like little office area and he loved building model cars so i was seeing him meticulously painting and building these model cars. He knew that I could see him. I knew that he knew that he could, I could see him. Um, he did not have the ability to speak to me, but he knew that I was around and look at me and smile. And one time he would look at me and wave and then he'd just go back to building his model cars. So I think then I knew I was different, but I also did
6: not know what that difference was called. I didn't, I didn't have a name to put to it yet. What is it like to be recognized from the other side? Like, what is that like when they actually see you? For me, and obviously, like I said, I've never talked to another
5: medium. So I feel like I'm going to force Kat to be my new best friend. She just does not know it yet. So I mean that in the most not creepy way. But for me, sometimes it it, it can be all over the board. Sometimes they look at me and they're like, oh, my God, you, you can see me. You can hear me. And I'm like, yeah, what's up? Hey, you know, and then sometimes I feel like they are attracted to us kind of like a mock to a flame. And sometimes I've had them run up to me and just kind of look at me and like, Ugh, uh, you can see me, whatever. And, the, and they'll just leave. So it's it can kind of be all over the board. Sometimes they're shocked. Sometimes they are confused. Sometimes
4: they're just happy to have someone to see. Um, and sometimes they just look at you and walk away. So in my experience, you're talking about how at like eight or nine years old, you were still very aware of it. I was terrified growing up in the house that I grew up in. I actually just got back from a trip to stay in that house and I did not turn, I, I won't say my ability ever turned off but I ignored it for a very long time. So the experiences I had where someone could like understand that I was seeing them, they were seeing me, I really tried to ignore them and pass them off as just paranoia or being like a ridiculous teenager or whatever. And, uh, and I didn't do like any sorts of drugs or drink as a teen. I was such a nerd. I didn't do anything that you could have blamed it on or anything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. as an adult now, my boundaries are so strict with spirit that they don't like come running up to me or anything like that. However, if I, I typically would see them in dreams. When I first started connecting, they would come to me in a sleep state because you're more open in your sleep mm-hmm. state. Right. Um, a million whereas, percent. yeah. Whereas now I'm only connecting to spirits if it's fully intentional, uh, most of the time, like I said, it feels like the energy has been a lot stronger lately. So sometimes it's just like, well, what the hell don't they know? Like I put the fence up, what are they climbing over the barbed wire right now? I don't like this. Right. But, um, it's for me, I feel like it's more of just like a recognition of like this person can see me, they can talk to me and I'm going to talk to them right now. And I'm going to tell them everything I need to tell them. It's almost like being trauma dumped on at the grocery store for people who are very <laughs> intuitively open. And I'm sure the two of you know what I'm talking about, where someone mm-hmm. just starts telling you about their sick sister or something. You're like, dude, I'm just trying to buy a watermelon. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, what's happening. So that that's my experience. Um, I think they just like that. They can be recognized. And then other times they don't want to talk to you. Yep. So I don't know if you've had that experience, but if they don't want to talk to you, they don't want to talk to you.
3: Well, I know a lot of people have had experiences while they were sleeping at the Cecil Hotel. Um, Amanda, how did you get so interested in that? What have you found out? And I would love for the two of you to tell us what you've (laughs) learned and maybe even experienced with the Cecil Hotel.
6: Um, I basically pulled Vanessa into this and forced it on her. I was like, look, you have to look into this because it was just crazy. Um, I got commissioned to do a job. It's been probably six months ago, and it was just to deep dive in Cecil. And I was so shocked by what I found. And I found um, one report. I don't know if you know, but Richard Ramirez and another serial killer named Jack Antlinger. They both lived there around the same time. Like uh, Richard Ramirez was there in like '85, and Jack I was there in 1990. And I found this report that said that Richard Ramirez would come back and like go, I guess where the dumpsters were, and take off all of his clothes and walk up the stairs in his whitey tidies, covered in blood, and like no one would say anything. And I was like, when I saw that, it was just like boom! Like I I could see it, like Kat said, in my mind's eye, and I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. And that was kind of where I got the idea to get linked up with one of my friends and do a pitch deck because I was like, this is insane. And I mean, the amount of suicides from 1931 to 1975 are just insane. There's, I think 15 was what I counted when I was like making my notes for earlier. Hmm. And a lot of them are like violent, like um, slitting your own throat or jumping off of the seven, eight, nine. Floor building kind of thing, and it's just stuff that I've done a lot of research as to, into you know uh, suicide and that kind of thing. And I I honestly didn't think it was possible to do those things to yourself, like to slit your own throat with a razor blade. Like I actually thought your mind would stop you, but it just it seems like there's something there. Like everything that I've looked into, it's just there's so it's it's like Vanessa said, it's like a moth to a flame, but a moth to a flame for bad things, just bad energy, dark energy. That's just the best way I guess I can put it because, I mean, I think there's been about 17 deaths and the most recent one was Alicia Lamb, who was a 21-year-old, I think, Canadian college student and she was traveling and she stayed at the Cecil and there's video footage of her playing what people think is the elevator game, which, you know, you push different buttons and it says you can get to a parallel universe well, she ended up in this Cecil's water tank. And what's so weird is that people were calling and complaining, my water smells bad, it stinks, da-da-da-da-da. And they went up and they found her, but the water tanks weren't connected. They were connected to city water. So there was really no reason that that water should have even been filtrated into any of the rooms in the hotel. So it was very odd. And she was also very petite. And these water these water tanks are really big. They have very heavy lids. The lid was closed back over her so there was a lot of uh, suspicious stuff with that one for sure
3: yeah and the in the videos uh now it's, it's been a little while since i've watched them but it's it's obviously something that sticks with you once you do watch it she it she appears to be talking to somebody while she's in the elevator and there's nobody there
6: yeah um, she's like- very much interacting like you can see her kind of like step out and look around and it's almost The way she looks is like she's looking at something that we aren't seeing, if that makes sense.
3: So, Vanessa, when you got roped in by Amanda into (laughs) digging into the Cecil, what was kind of your experience with the hotel?
5: Um, You know, I was very interested, obviously, because and I hate to sound morbid or negative, but. You know, when there's a lot of death and darkness and, and uh, even if you just remove the serial killers aside, right, you have a lot of death, you have a lot of darkness, you have a lot of suicide. Um, to me, in my experience, you know, energy, especially negative energy, leaves an imprint. And whether it's the building or the land or the stone or the foundation or concrete, you know, everything mm-hmm. soaks up that, that energy, positive or negative, So, to me, it's extremely interesting. Um, And then also, honestly, as I was learning about the Cecil, I actually have a theory about the uh, suicides there specifically. Um, uh, Do you want me to tell you? Or I don't even, I don't, I didn't even tell uh, anybody yet, but I'll tell you.
3: Yeah, please. Let's get the big Um, reveal.
5: To me, I, I have always noticed that um, when you have darker energy, especially dark entities or demonic entities, um, they love to prey upon people that are emotionally weak because they don't have the ability to truly fight them off. They're like a bully that wants to pick on someone that they see to be less than and be weaker Um, because they're not, they're not going to pick on you to lose. They want to pick on you to cause problems. And A lot of times these entities goals are to have the living hurt other people or hurt themselves. That is like the be all end all goal for them. And that truly explains to me why there is a phenomenon of uh, abundance of suicides and deaths at that hotel. one thing that i've learned is that the people that were staying at that hotel it was meant to be an affluent you know high end hotel but it really just didn't turn out that way it turned out to be something that was for you know um, uh, the homeless and and very uh, shady characters and and stuff along those lines so you were getting people that were probably not having the best intentions not in the best head spaces it would make sense to me that they were more apt to be controlled. I don't think it was full on possession possession, but I think it was an entity that was able to control, influence, uh, maybe put you in like a trance kind of state. Especially seeing the last death, the you know when she was playing that elevator game, and you could see that or that suspected elevator game, which I do not agree with at all. One percent, not at all. Um, You could see that she was having a conversation. She was talking to somebody, but, you know, we can't see what's there. But, you know, I think that that really shows validity to that theory. Um, Now, the common public is not going to agree with that more than likely, but I don't think she was playing any game that was going to take you to a dimension. She was a, you know, uh, a very smart individual but there was a lot of people that said that she was really going through a lot
4: uh, with depression and and mentally. she was. That her sister went public talking about how she was bipolar and how she was off of her medication too. Um, yeah, that's the perfect <clears throat> I, storm to be possessed. Yeah, exactly. Possessed I didn't mean to influenced. interrupt,
5: I apologize. No, you're fine. No, you're perfectly fine. But that's the perfect storm to be, you know, quote unquote, possessed or influenced or attacked to do something like that. Um,
3: This episode of the Real Hauntings Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey, everyone, it's Noah Daniels, and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him.
0: Shoppers get it.
3: So, Kat, you know you have, or Catherine, sorry, (laughs) it's okay. You have, um, you obviously have your podcast, murder uh, and mediumship, and and you're no stranger to delving into kind of darker topics and channeling and trying to figure out what has gone on. Do you believe that a building? can kind of be a beacon for horror like that? I mean, what what, what do you? What are your feelings on the Cecil?
4: Okay, so first off, I actually have a video on my YouTube channel about Elisa Lamb. It's basically agreeing with everything Vanessa just said how she was in a state of mental crisis, and that it was her ultimately her bipolar disorder that led to her demise, but it was exactly what you're saying a perfect storm because you're more susceptible especially when you're on you're on drugs or maybe you're off your drugs and your inhibitions are lowered and it's just it's easier to access you um as far as a building i feel like it's not the building itself it's the energy that's trapped within it and if no one ever releases it, if no one ever think of it as like a, a pot, like boiling over, right? If you don't take the lid off of it, it's just going to boil over and make this huge mess. And uh, if you, I clearly don't cook, I don't know if that was a great analogy or not. No, um,
5: that's exactly how my
3: doctor uh, describes my acid reflux is uh, the acid is just boiling over and once it goes over, that's that's it. There's nothing to do That's just with that.
4: it, that's exactly it. Um, so when you have all of that energy it it's exactly what Vanessa's saying it's creating a perfect storm and it also it's going to depend on I'm sh- I don't know how much um research you've done about like the history of the hotel or more specifically the land that it's built on that is kind of mm-hmm. coming up for me right now I don't know if there's anything to that um but just the land itself could even hold some of that energy. And I think that even building materials, houses that are made of brick are more likely to hold energy than houses that are built of wood and that sort of thing, just as an example. So I don't know that it's so much the building as it is the amount of transient people that came in and out of it. I, I would say that that I don't even know if it was a possession if or if it was more of like um, an out of body, almost like when you channel you allow the spirit to enter into your energy field, enter into your body, your soul, so to speak, it steps into your soul. Um, And then you don't, but you don't have to channel in that way. You can do like a partial channeling. And that's kind of what I'm getting where these entities are this energy, not even like one specific being, Uh But it's the collective energy, it feels like, is what's kind of like infiltrating and noticing it. It's it's not like one being. And if I feel farther into it, to me, it looks like a dark, like smoky cloud of just existence. It's not even one specific thing.
6: One of the weirdest ties that I found was that one of the last sightings of Elizabeth Short, Black Dahlia, was in the bar of that hotel. And she was apparently frequently there. um, And I found an ex-LAPD officer who believes that his father actually committed them, yeah. which is very interesting. Hmm.
3: So, Amanda, obviously, the Cecil is rich for content, whether it is, you know, just horrific, true crime type things that have happened, or things that coincide with the supernatural. Once you collected all this information, are, are you going to try and write something that is fiction nonfiction or, or what are you wanting to eventually accomplish? i
6: want to um i want to keep it closer to what actually happened and then add in just some elements of nonfiction here and there and you know just a little bit of exaggeration on certain things but not much i i feel like it's so rich in content in general that there's not a lot of need to add in all the extra because you have all of these characters that people already know like just to start with Elizabeth Short i mean most people know of that case most people know of Richard Ramirez and it's like to me it's just it's so just crazy that um so much has happened in one place i don't know it just feels like a beacon to me and that's kind of where I've went in my writing is i'm just writing what happened and then I exaggerate just a little bit or I add in like the part I told you about Richard Ramirez, where he would just come in drenched in blood. That part just kind of really threw me for a loop. And there are a few of the suicides slash murders that happened where the individuals, either the person who committed the crime or the person you know, who's killing themselves, just act in a very odd way. Like there was a woman, an older lady, and her name was, um, they called her Pigeon Goldie because she liked to feed the pigeons while someone killed her in a park like right outside of the Cecil and instead of fleeing or running or anything he's just walking around covered in blood and to me it's just like okay that's that's odd so that's kind of where it's been with me it's just it's a very odd research process it's it is by far the weirdest case I think I've ever looked into because realistically this this hotel should have been on the same level as like the Hotel Bel Air or the or the Chateau Marmont. And it just, it never took off. Partially, I think that has to do with placement because it is kind of right in the middle of Skid Row. So that can lead to all kinds of different things. But um, there's no reason that it should have kind of crashed the way that it did. So that part was interesting to me as well, that it's not only the guests who seem to have misfortune it's also the owners of the hotel it's it's kind of everywhere if that makes sense it goes through every branch
3: yeah yeah it's horrifying Catherine, is if you were to go to the cecil is that something that would just be overwhelming for you know a medium to to be i mean it seems like You would have so much coming at you at one time would it even be worth your time to go somewhere like that to invite that into your life
4: i feel like i'm kind of a glutton for punishment so possibly (laughs) Um, you know what if if someone were paying for the ticket i would be there but (laughs) i don't i don't think that it wouldn't be worth your time i think you would have to be a medium who has very strong boundaries and then you have to also understand that you can't block everything out. So you would have to go in there knowing that you are going to receive things you may not want to receive. But again, if you're asking, if you're setting a boundary, there may be a level of darkness and depth that you're unwilling to go. And then maybe you wouldn't see that. So for me, I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be worth my time because I'd be too chicken shit to open up to any of it. (laughs) But I don't think it would, I think it would be a really cool experience. It would be worth doing at least once. If someone held my hand the entire time and let me close my eyes.
3: Like a paranormal S&M, like that'd be a very specific type of punishment
5: too. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much.
3: Well, we're kind of coming up on our hour. Uh, Vanessa, is there anything else you would like to add, as far as a Cecil goes, or your own personal experiences, we do appreciate both um, you and Amanda coming on and sharing these stories with us.
5: Um, You know, as far as the Cecil, I would love to go. I, um, I guess, for me, I've always had the experience of having a lot of dark entities like want to come and test my boundaries and test my limits and try to get a rise out of me and i'm very feisty and i just don't put up with their crap so i would love to go there i would hold your hand (laughs) because i i feel like i feel like sometimes two of us to sit there and say like listen we're not going to put up with your crap that's not why we're here i i think that they would probably back down a little bit easier
3: yeah, I would just be afraid of I've mentioned it a couple times on the show, but I've really been enjoying uh, Evil that is a Paramount Plus show. And and people get attachments from demons on that show and they mm-hmm. wake up in the middle of the night like sleep paralysis. They use a lot of like quote unquote real world hauntings and it's really bizarre how similar that's a so lot of the stories are to our podcast, but I think that's just the commonality in this paranormal. But I would be afraid that something would attach from there. And then I'm at home, (laughs) you know, and Richard Ramirez is walking around (laughs) in his bloody underwear.
4: Okay, (laughs) First of all, Hollywood definitely feeds into all of that. Number one. Number two, I have now connected to Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, Bonnie and Clyde, Eileen Wuornos, Ted Bundy. I have never Jeffrey Dahmer freaked me out the most but I had fear going into that connection as well so if you don't have if you are unwilling think of it as like like your kids like toddlers smell fear they know when you when you just yeah. need to get to bed early or something or like an animal smells fear it's the same thing you have to be the boss but you also have to know When to call it quits and leave? That's what I think, and I think on a lot of those shows, people just want to stay for that one last shot. That one last shot. No, I'm hightailing my ass out of there. I don't need to get that one last shot. I'm gone. So I I don't. I think if you have less fear, it's not as it's it's less likely that anything like that would happen to you.
5: See, I agree with you because, like for me, I I like to say that I'm in a state of being permanently unbothered. Um, I've had spirits like call me names. I've had dark entities call me names or f- make threats to me. And I'd be like, all right, well, listen, if you could do it, just go ahead and do it. I mean,
4: I've seen worse. Do whatever you want. I'm right here. It's fine. I don't care. Um, no taunting, but you use your mom voice. You say you leave yeah. me alone. I'm done. That's what I tell my students. I, use your mom voice.
5: I honestly, I guess maybe I kind of taunt and I'll push their buttons a little bit. Um, because I would be interested in seeing what they could do. But in all honesty, it doesn't, it doesn't scare me. They don't bother me. And most of the time they leave me alone because I think that they can't get a rise out of me. So I'm not really too, too worried about stuff like that, but I have had things attached to me when I was in like not the best headspace. So it was a little harder to, to fight it off. But other than that, I, I don't really have much of a fear of it. I think I'm just so used to it that, and I've seen so much darkness that I think it doesn't really phase me too much anymore. I think I'm desensitized by now.
6: I have a question for Kat, just because research is my thing. And I've researched most of the cases you mentioned. And I was just curious, um, the energy that you get off of someone say, like Jeffrey Dahmer, versus someone like, We'll just say Eileen Warness. Is it is it same same? Is it like evil
4: is evil? Or no. do you see? No, not at all. No, Eileen Wuornos was one sad woman who finally snapped. Oh, and honestly, I, I cried, 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 cried after my interview with her. Um, everyone, this is why I started my podcast. And I am working on starting my serial killer interviews again. But when I started, I wanted to understand where was the human part of them. I guess essentially, but there are those I will not connect with. Richard Ramirez is one of them because some people are just evil. I, John Wayne Gacy, nope, didn't want to, did it anyway, wish I didn't. Jeffrey Dahmer didn't like it. Yeah, Yeah. but most of these people are coming from a pain point and there's, Mm -hmm. I guess, some part of me, maybe it's like the empath narcissist fight that we're always a part of that just wants to know what broke you, what
6: triggered you that was kind of my biggest question with eileen was i always felt that she was very sad like i could exactly. just see that
3: i feel like empath narcissists could be the name of almost every podcast you know oh yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah that's really fascinating Amanda, where can our fans get in touch with you if they want to keep up with all the cool things that you're writing and you have going on and and projects you've worked on in the past? How can they follow along?
4: Um, I work
6: with Dustin Daly on YouTube, and I am at Miss Mandy Kelly on Instagram. And Vanessa and I are starting a podcast whenever we can get off our lazy butts
3: and do it. (laughs) Just do it. Awesome. Yeah, you gotta you gotta let us know so we can promote it. And Vanessa, how can our fans get in touch with you?
5: Um, My social media is it's me, Vanessa, duh, on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm I'm the same all over the board. So pretty easy to find
3: me. And do you um, work with people as far as being a medium? Do you offer classes or anything of that nature?
5: Um, I offer private readings, um, that can be booked. Um, I do those almost every day. I have private readings. I do offer a little bit of a guidance class. It's not a very formal kind of class, but I have a lot of people ask me like, Hey, listen, I'm feeling this or I'm going through this, you know, can you offer tips and tricks? So I do that. And then mostly I just really go live on YouTube and and Facebook.
3: And Catherine, I know, um, I feel like at this point, you're essentially a paranormal life coach, but uh, I know a lot of our fans have <laughs> reached out to you and they always, all right, I wouldn't say always, I don't know how many have reached out to you, but a lot of the ones that reached out to you let us know, and they always have really positive things to say, which makes me feel good. Catherine, how can our fans who haven't reached out to you, how can they follow along with everything you're doing?
4: Find me on TikTok, Intuitive, or go to my website, com. Murder and Mediumship is the name of my podcast that is about to go under a massive rebranding. So stay tuned for that. I'm really excited to bring some cool stuff happening there. Thank you for having me back. And thank you for your soapbox. I very much appreciate (laughs) it. (laughs) I like the soapbox too.
3: Of course. Of course. Catherine's one of my favorite people to get on the podcast. It hit me when I was um, trying to figure out who I could co-host with because I I was telling Catherine that Kat and JJ both have COVID. And I was like, let me see what Catherine's doing. (laughs) She's almost (laughs) always game to jump on. So I, I always appreciate that. Oh, I was
6: just going to say, Catherine, if you want to start a girl on, a three-girl um, investigation group, we're totally oh. down.
4: <laughs> oh, I went where you did. I was like, what are we starting here? Yeah, I heard if you want to
3: start a girl on, and then you said three <laughs> yeah,
4: I know. girls. We like, went to over here. That like, was a little flying. We've been all
6: over the place.
3: I like I know OnlyFans is pretty profitable, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the first OnlyFans started from the Real Hauntings podcast. That
4: one's got to be a trend
3: better yeah <laughs> right yeah.
4: fantastic so i'm here for the uh girl on yeah. whatever just happened there <laughs>
3: i'll just uh subscribe that's all i do <laughs> so with that i'm noah daniels
6: i'm Catherine. i'm amanda kelly and i'm vanessa Ooh. Ooh.